Hello everyone, and welcome to Phaeology, the study of Fire Emblem Heroes. My name is Phil, and I will be your Phaeologist today, and joining me is Grepstein, our chief resident. How are you doing today, Greps? I'm doing super. We are the legends that are with you today. I don't know if we're the legends that you've chosen, but here we are, nonetheless, to go over and the exactly. news that we just got from a few days ago. Yep. And uh, we are totally excited to talk about this. I feel like we've been waiting for a long time. And IS obviously has given us a little, little bit of a surprise when they talked, when they said that they would release Choose Your Legends. And so, uh, yeah, I wasn't exactly planning on talking about this uh, just yet, but here we are. So uh, time is short for me, unfortunately. Um, so if midway the, through the episode... I might have to duck out for a little bit uh, just have some things to do here uh, at my rotation. But Greps will take you along our journey through our analysis of the Choose Your Legends uh, characters today. And I will add my thoughts at, at the end when I do have some time to get back recording again. So, so I think without much ado, let's go ahead and get into this episode. Yeah, absolutely. So, and before you have to go, Phil, why don't you give just a heads up, and if there's anything else that you want to tell the listeners before you have to go, then you can definitely give that in before you go. That that way you get to comment on everything that you'd like to. Um, and I will hold down the fort for the rest of the time, and uh, if there's anything that we miss while we're together, then maybe I'll go back after afterwards, after you leave, and go back through the things that we miss at the end of this episode, just in case there's anything. Sure. That sounds good to me. Uh, so, if I may, I'll, I'll just say my piece about this whole banner in general. Um, I think that Choose Your Legends is always the banner to go for. Uh, these units, especially if you're a new unit, a new player, I think all of these units are fantastic additions to your team. If you're a veteran player, a lot of these uh, units are not only top notch, but they're also great fodder as well. And so, my advice, straightforwardly, is to to summon on this banner, and at least try to get you know a few of the characters that look good to you, if not all of them as well, because it's a it's really good time to. And it's it's really fun to have uh, all four of these characters. So, uh, yeah. So, without, uh, do you have anything else to add, Greps, before we get into our analysis? Well, I think people were wondering what the quality of this banner was going to be. And if you look at last year's Choose Your Legends banner, Legendary Win was far and away the best hero on that banner that most people chose as their free hero at the time. Brave Ike was good, but. You know, it, it was his fodder, his uh, steady breath that really has stood the test of time. And Roy and Lucina were good heroes at the time. Uh, Lucina especially was, I think, rated very highly at the time. But, you know, I, I still don't think they were like revolutionary heroes even when they first came out. So I think this banner compared to CYL1 is especially good and it's especially difficult to figure out which of these heroes is the best quote unquote and also which should be your free summon which we'll try to help you with today but i will say that our answer will not satisfy everybody no matter what we said there's just no way uh, not everybody is going to want the same thing from this banner i totally agree I, I feel like compared to the first banner that we had last year all these units for choose your legends 2 seemed very very balanced not only to the fact that a lot of them got pretty much the same amount of skills but um just the quality as well of those skills that they got uh in addition to their stats and everything i think it's they're very comparable um 
as opposed to last year, like you said, with Brave Lynn. And so hopefully what we have to say will persuade you to either use your free summon in one direction or another, or to kind of give you some guidance as far as who to target if you are summoning for a certain target, if you don't want to use all of your orbs, for example, and just want a, a, a certain unit or, or two. So, And I wouldn't be upset if the conclusion of today's episode is if you haven't used your free summon already and you're looking for this episode to decide to maybe like keep holding on to it for a little bit longer if you can because things might come out in the next couple days or in the next couple weeks even about certain builds for these heroes that nobody's considered yet or maybe we'll get some new skill in the game in the next few weeks that'll make it a little bit more clear so if for some reason you're holding off and you really can't decide and if we don't help you decide it's not a bad thing to be a little bit patient too if you can (laughs) yeah exactly um try to hold out as as long as you can um i didn't and uh, once I get back into recording and add my piece uh, after we get done with this session, uh, maybe I'll, I'll go over what happened to me <laughs> as far as my free summon is concerned, just, uh, just so you guys know. So, yeah, let, let's, let's talk about some of these units. Let's start with the—we're going to go in order of the way that they were presented to us in the uh, trailer. And so let's start with Veronica. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and, and spearhead this one, Greps. Uh, so Veronica, uh, she's the brave princess, of course. She's the sixth cavalry cavalry healer in the game, and if I may say right uh, at the front, she is probably the best staff user in the game right now. So Maribel's reign <laughs> was short lived, but short but sweet. One month long live the queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and may she rest in peace. But um, going over Veronica's stats. Uh, Oh, and first of all, you know, before I get into stats, I think a lot of people were very hyped and excited for Veronica to be in the game, and I don't think she was a disappointment at all. I think she really gave everyone who really wanted Veronica the the unit that was expected to be, and as well, I, I know that you got the prediction right that she would be a staff uh, user, and so... Yeah, um, nailed that. Nailed it once again, and... Yeah, and I think she delivers very well. So so looking at her stats, uh, 36 HP, 32 attack, 36 speed, 21 defense, and 19 resistance at neutral IVs. Coming up with a 144 BST, so you know it's very typical of her to uh, have a lower BST because she is a cavalry unit and a staff user as well, but I do want to point out the noticeable attack and speed. Uh, very very good offensive stat line and very comparable to the other really fast, hard-hitting staff users that we have out there in Maribel and Elise. Uh, so what sets her apart, of course, is going to be her um, her build but and the weapon that she has, of course. Uh, as far as ba- boons and banes are concerned, she does have an HP super boon, uh, which will raise her BST bin to, uh, to be in that 146 to 150 range, but... Still, either way, it's pretty low uh, if you consider, you know, arena scoring to be uh, a big factor in your unit. So looking at some optimal IVs, first of all, if you do happen to pull these, um, if you do get a plus speed, uh, both Greps and I agree that that is probably the best boon that you would get, and attack is her second best boon. Um, If you get a Bane in any of the other stats, it's going to be pretty much the same either way. It's not that much of a difference. I feel like the way that she's set up, 
um, with her base kit, as well as just her, her you, probably the best game plan for the staff user anyway, is going to be to hit hard offensively in the player phase without taking any retaliation back. And so uh, don't worry if you do get a Bane in HP defense or resistance. So uh, yeah, so do you have anything else to add on her stat line, Grebs? Uh, I don't think so. Very strong, and as you said, very comparable to Maribel and Elise uh, overall as units in terms of just their stats. Yeah, like, uh, for example, just to uh, mention those stats, uh, Veronica does have three less attack than Maribel and the same attack as Elise, but she is faster than the both of them uh, with having three more speed than Maribel and two more than Elise, and I think that makes a really big um, difference, especially when uh, you're comparing her to other uh, units that you're attacking that are very fast to begin with. And so all the speed in this case really does help out. Um, and of course, she, she does have lower uh, defenses and resistance than Maribel and Elise, but that's okay uh, because I, I feel like the stat distribution really went to, get, went to help her out to uh, really make her faster and uh, and strong as well. So, so let's talk about what she comes with, which is probably one of the most exciting things uh, with it. Uh, we ha- we have our first legendary staff in the game. Um, it's been a long time coming, and it comes with two great effects built into it. And you know, when you watch the Choose Your Legends video, I I was like, oh, that's going to be. Re-. I thought it was really awesome that they put the dazzling staff. Um, effect into play which if you're not familiar it's you can't uh, you uh, foes cannot counter attack if you attack them in the player phase and so um so i thought oh that's great she has one piece of the puzzle for the razzle dazzle build already built in um and the second effect is similar to the pesh cats effect from soth's dagger which is to add plus four to all stats for allies within two spaces of veronica and then it does the debuff of minus four to all stats within the same two spaces of the of the target, and so um, very you know she's already halfway built to have a razzle dazzle effect, which is the best build on staff users anyway. But in addition to that, she gets some awesome support here, very close to um, uh, when we're talking grips about like uh, tactic builds and light breath, um, having that ability to debuff and buff at the same time essentially giving your units a plus eight is is just amazing i i think that uh that her staff is you know really well equipped to not only make her offensive but to make her a great support unit and that's what i'm really excited about do you have anything else to add about her weapon grips first i noticed you didn't mention the name of the weapon phil how could we possibly not go without trying to pronounce this ridiculous (laughs) name of the weapon I, Shoot, I was trying trying to avoid that, <laughs> but you got me. <laughs> I think I'll, I'll I'll try it in Lithskjolf. Lithskjolf. I don't know. That's that's my cool. attempt at it. <laughs> you know, I, I'll believe anything you say, Grips. Uh, did you did you happen to research this name at all, or like you usually do? <laughs> Not or? yet. I haven't looked at it yet. I'm sure it's something Icelandic, like some of the other weapons that 
have a lot of these types of letters in them. Um, but one other thing to point out about the, her her weapon's second effect, the Peshkats type buffing debuff effect, something that took me a little while to realize, is that not only does it give plus four to all stats to allies, but it also does it to Veronica as well after combat. So if she's going to get danced or if she's going to take a hit in the enemy phase, then she's going to get the advantage of having plus four to all of her stats herself, which is really strong. That is really cool. I, I didn't realize that that was uh, in effect, uh, that she got that buff as well. And so, yeah, her ability to be offensive just increases. So uh, thanks for pointing that out. So let's move on to her C-slot skill that she came with. It's a new skill. Uh, it's called Close Guard 3. And uh, yeah, so I, I guess we, we don't have to cover this in a future data mine because it kind of came out before we had a chance to talk about it, right? So, um, but yeah, it gives plus four defense resistance to all allies within two spaces during combat when you face a sword, lance, axe, or dragonstone foe. So I guess this, this skill is a lot better than distant guard especially if you're using it in the higher tiers when uh, the more ranged types of units aren't seen as much due to BST, of course, and when you're faced up against a lot of dragons, of course, um, as well as armor units that are all melee. And so Close Guard does make a lot more sense to have as a skill. It's a lot more useful, I think, in the metagame right now than Distant Guard is. And so, yeah, it's... um, it, it's an interesting skill. I think um, it does have to com- to compete with other skills in the C slot, like uh, defense tactic or even the emblem buffs, and it, even wave skills as well. Uh, those are really good uh, skills, not only to buff your own unit but to buff uh, adjacent allies as well. And so it's an interesting skill. I'm glad that we have it in the game. And I mean, I find it hard though to justify. Uh, foddering off Veronica just for that and so and in addition to that it's hard to see you using Veronica in those higher tiers uh, and to be able to take advantage of close guard three in in that regard and so so while it's a good skill I feel like it's not um, worth foddering off right now Um, and it's just kind of there and it's great that we just have it in the game. I don't know if you have anything else to add about that, Grabs. Where I think it becomes better than some of the visible buffing skills is if you stack it on top of itself. But as you mentioned, being a really rare skill, a new skill on five-star exclusive unit like Veronica, who's very strong, then stacking it and inheriting it to multiple other units on a team is going to be pretty rare. So um, ultimately, you might get a stronger effect from using something like defense tactic on a, on a mixed team or other other visible buffing skills or stacking like ward emblem buffs or those types of skills. So uh, it's a good skill. I don't think we're going to be seeing it like a ton used in the arena or other places. Right. So I concur. Uh, The last skill that she received that is new to the game is Windfire Balm Plus, which is great because this is the first level two balm type of skill for healers. I feel like we don't really... Uh, notice them or talk about them as much uh, because of that, but I, th- I think this is a a wonderful skill. Uh, when healing, it gives all allies plus six attack and speed for one turn. Uh, these are visible buffs, so they're outside of combat buffs that last until the end of the enemy phase. 
Now, the thing is, with uh, in regards to this skill and her weapon, um, I, f- I don't think, like, they, they won't stack because both buffs are out of combat uh, visible buffs. Am I, am I correct? It won't stack with what? With uh, the Peshkat's effect, you mean? Yes. yes. Right. It, it won't. Most of the time, there's not going to be the ability to, unless you have a dancer, because her weapon buffs only occur after combat for her. So she'll apply plus four to all stats after she attacks, or she can heal and use her special, and that will activate this effect. So it's kind of like no matter how you use her, healing or attacking, then she can apply visible buffs to allies. But if some if you dance with her and have her attack and heal in the same turn, then you're right. Those, I mean, those the only the highest buff of each stat will apply. Right. So at the very least, if you were able to dance and use her both in attack and healing, uh, at least you get plus six to attack and speed and then plus four to defense and resistance. And so I think that's still pretty cool and offers a lot of support there. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's uh, really cool about it. Uh, do you have anything else to add about that uh, that healing skill? Uh, it's a cool skill and it'll be interesting. I mean, because of the name of it, it seems like we'll be getting a whole category of skills based on the with the name of this just wind fire so i imagine we'll get like water fire and water earth or something like that as far as each of those different elements corresponding to different stats that we'll get buffs for but that being said we get so few healers in the game that i don't know how fast they're going to be rolling out these skills (laughs) right so hopefully we do get some um this is a premonition of more healers to come into the game and yeah we'll see if that happens or not but Uh, Yeah, and to round off her skills, she does come with Wrathful Staff, uh, the only other skill that isn't new in the game. And when I was first watching the trailer, I thought, oh, no, I I don't have a Jenny. I don't have anyone to fodder off a Wrathful Staff to uh, if I do get Veronica. But fortunately, uh, when the the trailer came out after the Choose Your Legends video, then we saw that she came with Wrathful Staff. And so once, uh, yeah, that's awesome that she does, does come with that in her base kit. Yeah, and it, just as a reminder, yeah, go ahead. It'll be great to have two units with Wrathful Staff and one with Dazzling Staff and once Veronica's added after this banner. Exactly. I didn't even think about that. So all of these units, just like the Choose Your Legends units from before, are going to be in the permanent summoning pool. So that is um, good to know. And, so, and it removes the 50% damage penalty for healers if you aren't familiar with Wrathful Staff. And so... Uh, staff units can attack, and you can calculate the amount of damage that you, you've done as normal, just like if it were any other weapon. So all the power to Veronica there, and that just makes her a well-rounded, complete unit right out of the box. So bu- speaking of builds and right out of the box, uh, I'll, let's talk about these different builds and the matchups that we saw in the simulator, as we like to do on the show. Uh, so for Veronica, I'll, I'll go ahead and talk about her more free-to-play build. Uh, basically, you take the base kit and you're just left with the A slot and the seal slot. And so thinking about you know healers in general and what you can and cannot give to healers, uh, I decided to give her a plus three speed in the A slot and a plus three attack as a seal, and that can be interchanged as well. Um, and I mean, going into the matchups as well, she did get 64% in the player phase. Uh, she, I mean, you not, you're not expecting a staff user to be able to take out all the major threats in the game. 
She did she did fairly well though against the lower resistance threats like Zelgius and original Hector and Grima. Uh, she didn't have much of a problem with that, uh, and that was in one duel. Not considering the fact, like you mentioned, Greps, with uh, the possibility of dancing and having her have uh, the at least the plus four um, buff that she gets from her own staff, and so. Uh, so the possibilities are a little bit higher there if you do take that into consideration. But just with herself dueling another person, she, uh, you know, she did, she was able to take out some threats. But of course, she's not going to be able to uh, take out everyone. Uh, I feel like her strength, of course, is not only the possibility of offense, but the support value that she gets as well. And um, so I, I thought even though the, this free-to-play build didn't yield as much of a result. She's still a great unit there, so uh, I'll turn it over to you, Graps, to uh, go over her maximum potential as far as builds are concerned. Yeah, so for that, you're going to want to give her an A-slot skill that's either attack speed bond or attack speed push, both of which will give her plus five to attack and speed with different conditions on them. Of course, attack speed bond requires her to be next to a unit to get the effect, and attack speed push will require her to have 100% HP, and then it'll take away one HP so she can't continuously use that effect every single turn without help from a healer or some other type of skill that will give her her HP back. So personally, I like attack speed bond more than attack speed push, but it depends on how you want to use. You just want to use her for one combat and then you want her to heal up other units, then attack speed push is easier to use. Uh, you want to keep Wrathful Staff on her, of course, and there's so many different options for a C-slot skill. You could go with Close Guard, her, her default skill. You could go with Savage Below if you're interested in running that type of a build. Uh, cavalry buffs can be helpful if she's with a cavalry team. Even speed wave if you want her to be a selfish unit and to get the maximum benefit from a wave skill. If she's on a tactics team using a tactics skill, there's so many different options for her. And as an S, uh, the Sacred Seal slot, going with either attack plus three, uh, I find that speed plus three tends to be more helpful for her. Uh, Savage Blow and Live to Serve are all options for her. So using her with attack speed bond with an ally next to her, Wrathful Staff, and uh, Close Guard as her C-slot skill with speed plus three as her sacred seal, I found that she won 59% of her matchups in one round. Of course, she doesn't lose any matchups because she's not getting hit when she initiates combat. And she wins 76% of duels uh, where she goes back and forth attacking an, uh, an enemy back and forth. So very strong for one round of combat for uh, a healer, a staff user, to be able to do that. And you know it's probably amongst the best, if not the best, that any of the staff users can do in the game. So very strong, and that's without even using a wave skill. If you had that available, then that would make her even stronger in the Mass Duel Simulator. But ultimately something that might be a little bit too expensive for a lot of people out there. So uh, why don't we get into our ratings for Veronica? How did you rate her, Phil? Sure. I mean, I I hate, I hate rate her very highly. Um, I did give her just a 4.5 out of 5. Um, I, I think she would deserve a 5 out of 5. It's just the fact that she is a cavalry unit and staff unit right now. And so it's while it's fun to have her as a unit, I feel like she doesn't make that much of an impact as, as far as Arena is concerned. And so if you're a more competitive player, then 
it's it's not as a uh, top priority to get her i think i think it's she's great for the other content the pve content in the game right now but i mean i think for me at least i i consider her a five out of five um just because i don't have access to like maribel or elise and so i feel like out of the three you know those really top tier cavalry staff units uh, i finally got my first one in veronica and so uh, I was really excited about that, and I think she has a ton of potential there, and she's going to be a really fun unit to use. And so as far as, like, fun contact, con- uh, content, uh, you know, 5 out of 5 for me, as far as uh, usefulness and arena, maybe a 4.5 out of 5. And so that's kind of my rating there. It's kind of hard to hard to say because all of these units are so good, but uh, how would you rate her grips? So I'm going with the 5 out of 5. If you remember from a month ago when Maribel came out, I gave her a 5 out of 5 too and said that she might. I, she was my favorite unit on that banner and the best healer at the time. Uh, being, you know, her stats are really good, maybe not significantly better than the other healers, but, you know, being a cavalry unit helps a lot. I was actually hoping that Veronica, and I was predicting that Veronica would be a flying healer. So I was a little bit disappointed that we got another cavalry healer, but cavalry healers are still a lot better than infantry healers. So, so, you know, I mentioned that I, I, when I realized at some point during using her, that she also gets those plus four stats to all of her stats after combat, that that made my impression of Veronica go up quite a bit. Uh, I, you know, I didn't think she was all that exciting as a unit until I noticed that. I know, I know she comes with a, a cool weapon and she gets a razzle dazzle uh, build very easily. And I think that is something that's incredibly appealing to a lot of players as well. That if you don't have a razzle dazzle healer, uh, or if you don't want to spend all the resources trying to get those skills that you need to be able to get one then Veronica is a built-in razzle-dazzle healer. You don't need any other units to fodder to her to make her a really strong healer in the game. So I think she's a you know a great pick for your free pick or just a great unit if you happen to pull her. Um, and she definitely outclasses Maribel, so that was exciting to see. In terms of your comment on BST and arena use, yeah, you're probably not going to want to use her in the arena at all. Uh, the only time in a couple weeks... And I would say, you know, there, there might be a cost-benefit analysis here. If you're having difficulty getting KOs with the bonus units when she's a bonus unit in the arena, so she's not going to score very highly, but she might be able to get you bonus kills really easily since foes aren't going to be able to counterattack her. So with a good team composition, uh, you might be able to have her get all of your bonus kills, and maybe that makes up for having a low BST in the arena. That's a really good point. Um, so yeah, maybe she'll have her time to shine when you get to use her as a bonus unit next week. Um, maybe that will be fun after all. So yeah, uh, thank you for that. And let's move on to Ephraim. All right. Well, we will catch you at the end of the episode, Phil. And uh, you can provide some of your thoughts and overarching opinions or anything that you missed out on. So we'll, we'll catch you at the end. In the meantime, I will continue on with the last three heroes that we haven't discussed yet. And I'll just mention that, you know, we have a lot of things going on, both Phil and I and our wife outside of Fire Emblem Heroes. And we do our best to get content out to you guys quickly as well as thoroughly. And so, you know, that's unfortunately just what we have to do today. But uh, hopefully this is still a very helpful episode for you. 
So anyway, let's move on to our second hero on the banner, and that would be Ephraim, the Sacred Twin Lord. He is the eighth axe armor unit in the game, and his stats are 46 HP, 38 attack, 27 speed, 37 defense, and 26 resistance at level 40 with neutral IVs. He has 174 as his BST, uh, which is what a lot of armor units have been coming with lately. So that means if you want him to be the highest possible scoring unit in the game, tied with Male Grima, Harden, and Brave Hector, then he's going to need a Super Boon in Resistance, and he's going to have to avoid a Super Bane in Speed. So considering that, he is going to want plus Resistance and minus HP uh, if scoring in the arena matters a lot to you. If it doesn't, then plus attack minus speed is probably optimal for him. So taking a look at some of the other Lance armor units in the game that are strong, I'm going to compare Ephraim to Harden and Effie as well. And taking a look at their stats, I think Ephraim looks very similar to Harden in a lot of ways. His attack is a bit higher than Harden's attack is and his resistance is quite a bit lower than Hardin's, but otherwise they're fairly similar units. And, you know, stats-wise, I don't think, you know, I probably like Ephraim's stats just a little bit more than Hardin's uh, because of the higher attack especially. And Effie has higher attack than Ephraim, um, so she's a really strong unit, and she's actually the best min-maxed unit of these three Lance armor units. And, of course, she's available at three four-stars. So Ephraim comes with a legendary weapon called Garm, and it has 16 might. It also gives him plus three attack when he's using it. So it's basically like it has 19 might in this weapon. So it's very strong and it boosts his already very strong attack. When he has a visible stat buff, such as a rally, hone, or fortify buff applied to him, or when he has a movement buff active like Armor March, or if he has Armored Boots and he has 100% HP at the start of a turn, then he's going to be doubling in either phase, both player phase or enemy phase. So that's a pretty interesting effect, and it's kind of like having the doubling aspect of Vengeful and Bold Fighter in one skill on his weapon. Of course, it requires him to have either a stat buff or a movement buff, but that's really not all that limiting since most people are either going to have Armor March on him. Uh, if you're using him solo, then you might put Armored Boots as a Sacred Seal. Or if you're going you know, with uh, other armor units on his team, then you might use different Emblem, uh, Hone, or Fortify skills. So it's a really easy condition for him to meet. And in terms of his new skill, he comes with a Fighter skill, so... Uh, it's only going to be able to be equipped by armor units in the game, and it's called Special Fighter. So Special Fighter, when uh, Ephraim's HP is greater than or equal to 50%, his special cools down faster by one per attack, and his foe's special cools down slower by one per attack. So this is uh, kind of like a combination of Steady Breath and Guard but it's like guard with an easier to achieve HP threshold. Of course, steady breath, the, the cooldown part has no HP threshold. It just has to be in the enemy phase as an A slot skill. So this is part of a B slot skill and it does have an HP condition, but it works in both player and enemy phase. And it's also notable to point out that this skill doesn't stack with guard. So you can't 
I mean, you couldn't use guard with it anyway, since they occupy the same slot. But if we ever got like a guard sacred seal, uh, or, you know, if you were to give him steady breath as his A slot skill, that's not a good way to go. Don't do that. It's going to be wasted if you're using special fighter. The fighter doesn't stack with other things that boost cooldown counts or reduce cooldown bonuses for foes. So it's an interesting new skill. And in my opinion, this skill is going to be best on really fast armor units that don't need bold or vengeful fighter to be able to double foes. So one of the only units that comes to mind for me that's going to be able to potentially use this skill well is Amelia because she's so her weapon. If she has a, a slaying axe or another refinable weapon, you can refine it for speed and she can get even faster. So... In most cases, Bold Fighter is going to be a better skill for armor units in the game. Uh, Vengeful Fighter can be you know, quite helpful as well, but you can't stack that with uh, Quick Repost like you can with Bold Fighter. And in my opinion, at the moment, Special Fighter isn't that great of a skill uh, to fodder to other units in the game, though it works very well on Ephraim's kit since his weapon allows him to double in both phases. He doesn't need Bold Fighter or Vengeful Fighter. In fact, that would be a waste on him. So it's a great skill for Ephraim. At the moment, there's not really any other unit that's going to use Special Fighter as well as him, but we'll see how that changes over time. Maybe some other units will get Bold or Vengeful Fighter built into their weapons, and maybe this will be a more useful skill in the future. So he also comes with Close Defense as his A-slot skill and Armor March as his C-slot skill. And Armor March in particular is great for him because when he's going with other armor units and he's adjacent to them, then it's going to activate uh, Garm's doubling effect, his weapon's doubling effect in both phases. So that's nice that he comes with a skill that helps him activate his weapon. And Close Defense, I think, is a fine skill, but it's probably not the optimum skill for him if you want him to be really strong. But if you're looking to build him more as just a tank or an enemy phase unit, then close defense is fine. So for the rest of the units, since Phil is not with us at the moment, I am going to talk to you about what Phil's builds would be in what he wrote down for what his free-to-play builds are. And I'll go over his part, and then I'll mention what I think some of the investment builds might be for these units. So for Phil's build, he went with the base kit for Ephraim, uh, plus Ignis as the special. And he put on the close defense sacred seal. And what he found in the mass duel simulator was that Ephraim achieved 90% wins in duels in the player phase and 82% wins in the enemy phase, which is actually pretty amazing. You know, that's that kind of blows me away how strong his numbers are there. Um, you know, he, he did find that. Ephraim is going to have difficulty with some really strong tanky red units like Zelgius and Winter Tharja, uh, maybe a couple of green units like Myrrh, but otherwise he's going to do really well even against the weapon triangle advantage. He can do well against some red units in the game. And it just shows the strength of his weapon with built-in doubling abilities. So that's pretty cool. And I'll say that you know, percentage-wise, that build actually does a lot better than the the build that I'm calling the optimal build. So uh, I guess when I'm talking about this optimal build, quote-unquote, uh, the second build here is going to be like an arena scoring optimized build. So for the second build, uh, we're going to give Ephraim Ether as his special. 
And you're either, for arena scoring purposes, you're either going to want to give Deathblow 4, this new skill that just came out on Celica. And I think Deathblow 4 is optimal if you don't really face ranged units in the arena, or you'll give him Distant Counter for scoring purposes as his A slot skill. And that is probably optimal if you do face ranged units in the arena. Uh, and then keep Special Fighter as his B-slot skill. It's perfect for him. Armor March is a great C-slot skill for him, but otherwise there's other uh, C-slot skills you could go with. And if you, you know, if you get a plus resistance copy of him, which scores higher in the arena, then you might even consider using a ploy. I think defense ploy is probably the best ploy to go with for him. But attack ploy could work pretty well, and you could even combine the two of them if you take advantage of one of those two as a sacred seal. So uh, for this kit, I'm going to go with, uh, with I guess, defense ploy for this build. It might not do too much for him um, because I'm going to be using a plus attack and minus speed build in the Mass Duel Simulator. And then for his sacred seal, there, you have a bunch of choices here. I think... Attack plus three could work if scoring doesn't matter too much to you. And close and distant defense, I think, are good choices as well. So uh, you, know, you have at least a couple of good options to pick from. Looking at his matchups with this arena scoring, he gets 86% wins in the player phase and 59% wins in the Emmy phase. So this build gives up quite a bit in terms of one round or uh, you know, dueling simulation, he doesn't do nearly as well as he did with Phil's free-to-play build. And I think the main reason for that is because Phil uh, has Ignis as his special, whereas I have Ether as his special. And that's really, I think, the big thing that makes the difference there in terms of his matchups. And also, I was using, uh, I think I was using Attack Plus 3 as his Sacred Seal, and Phil was using Close Defense, so that's going to help his survivability quite a bit when initially taking hits in the enemy phase. So uh, if you're looking for what's the strongest in a couple of combats, the Ignis build is going to do better. If you're looking for arena scoring optimization as well as what might help him in you know, the longer term, I think Ether might not be a bad investment like it is for most armor units because it'll help replenish HP to be able to keep using his uh, special fighter skill at the very least. So in terms of my rating for Ephraim, so I, I'm giving him a 5 out of 5. I am definitely blown away by his abilities in the Mass Duel Simulator with Phil's build. And I think his percentages are still very strong with the build that I reviewed too. Um, and I think he has very favorable comparisons with other Lance armor units in the game, like Harden, Effie, and Winter Robin. I don't think he really blows those other armor units away, but I think he is better than they are. Uh, and so I would say, you know, he's a very strong unit. He's one of the very first units in the game, along with Brave Hector, to be able to essentially get Bold and Vengeful Fighter at the same time without taking up an A slot skill or a Sacred Seal slot to be able to get the cooldown bonuses in the player and enemy phase and to get doubling in both phases as well. So, you know, instead he's able to run other skills in his A slot and in his Sacred Seal slot. And I think that really boosts his potential. And Phil's rating was also a 5 out of 5. And he has placed... Legendary or Brave Ephraim in the top tier, 
And he made the comparison to Legendary Hector, saying that he's at least as good as Legendary Hector is as a unit, if not better. Uh, just keep in mind the color differences between the two of those units. I do think it's a fair comparison. Uh, and we saw with Legendary Hector in the Mass Duel Simulator, very similar numbers to what Ephraim is getting here. So definitely a strong unit. Let's move on to the third unit on the banner, and this is our warrior priestess, Celica. And fun fact, she is the 9 billionth infantry sword user in Fire Emblem Heroes. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a crowd pool there, huh? Her stats are 38 HP, 33 attack, 39 speed, 29 defense, and 24 resistance in terms of base stats at level 40 with neutral IVs. Uh, and that goes up to 163 BST. So interesting that we didn't get any BST creep with these Choose Your Legends heroes like we did last year. Celica has no super boons, uh, and she has super banes in both HP and defense, but neither of them will impact her arena scoring abilities. I would say plus attack is definitely the optimal IV set for her, the definite boon, the optimal boon. Uh, minus resistance, minus defense, minus HP are probably the top three optimal banes in that order. And there's really only one unit that we can very fairly compare Celica to because of her unique B-slot skill, uh, Double Lion, and that would have to be Alm. We'd have to compare her to Alm uh, with his Double Lion refinement, which a lot of people... Uh, who play Fire Emblem Heroes would agree that Alm is probably the unit with the best refinement in Fire Emblem Heroes. Uh, if you were playing before his refinement or if you've used him without his refinement, then he was pretty bad before refinements were uh, possible in the game. But his refinement, just as Celica's B-slot skill, allows him to double attack as if he had a brave weapon. So tw uh, to double twice before the enemy gets to counterattack at all and that is an extremely powerful ability for people who have weapons that are so strong that are 16 might weapons as opposed to brave weapons that are typically a lot weaker so looking at Celica's stats compared to Alm's stats Alm has a lot more HP than Celica does uh, Alm and Celica both have the same attack but Alm is a lot slower than Celica is. So it's interesting that, you know, Celica is going to be much quicker than Alm is. Uh, and Alm with his refinement is going to get even more HP from the refinement. So he has a lot more HP. Celica is a lot faster. And that's really the difference, the big difference between the two of them. I think most people would say that the speed, extra speed that Celica has is probably the better choice between the two of those things just looking at stats wise but hp can come in handy too so another unit that just has some similar stats but it's hard to even compare celica to is ira uh, who has 33 attack which is the same as celica's and 40 speed when she's using ira's blade or if she has the refinement to uh, slaying edge so you know, that it's interesting that Celica is just this really fast unit uh, with the weapon that she gets called Royal Sword. It has 16 might 
and it also gives her plus three speed. So it capitalizes off of her already very fast speed and it makes her even faster. In addition to that, it also grants her a cooldown charge of plus one per attack anytime she has an ally within two spaces during combat. So basically the way to think of it is it's essentially either heavy blade or flashing blade. It's that type of a skill but without any types of stat comparisons going on, it's uh, just checking to see if any units are within two spaces of her during combat instead. So that's nice to be able to trigger her specials even faster, and in a lot of ways it might be an easier effect to get than having higher attack or higher speed because you can control which units are within two spaces of her during combat. Now she also comes with a new skill like all of the CYL heroes do here. And her new skill is Death Blow 4. And this is inheritable. If you were wondering, if you weren't, if you haven't been paying attention to uh, what people have been saying on Reddit and other places, it is absolutely inheritable to other units. And it gives plus eight attack upon initiating combat. So, you know, Death Blow 3 gives plus six, Death Blow 4 gives plus eight, and it continues the trap, gives two more attack just in the player phase. So this is very interesting that we are getting level four skills in the game. And, you know, when I saw this, I thought, okay, is this going to be a unique skill, like an uninheritable skill? Uh, and I thought, well, this is interesting, but it's only two more attacks. So is this really that big of a deal? And, you know, the reason that it is a really big deal is because at first I thought this might just be like a 240 SP skill in the A slot and it wouldn't do all that much. But Deathblow 4 is worth 300 SP, and for those of you who have listened to you know, the arena scoring episodes that YX and Phil have done together, you know that the SP cost of skills influences your arena score in both the arena and in arena assault. And you know, if you're a longtime player of the game, then you know that 300 SP is the same amount that distant counter and close counter get in the arena as well. So what that means is now you don't just have to use close or distant counter on your A slot skill to be able to get your units to score optimally in the arena. You're going to have other choices now. Uh, of course, we just have this one other choice in Deathblow 4 at the moment, uh, but it's not unrealistic to think that we're probably going to get more level four skills in the future. So for those of you who look at the, you know, the highest scoring units or the highest scoring, you know, uh, players in arena assault, you've probably seen some people, uh, some whales who have built distant counter and they've given it to units distant counter on their weapons. And you might wonder what is wrong with those people? Do they not know what they're doing in the game? Well, it's actually that they're just trying to optimize arena scoring and that's the way to do it is by putting redundant, worthless skills, well, actually fantastic skills, but using them in such a way that makes them worthless on units. So it's nice to see that Intelligent Systems has noticed this and that they're trying to come up with you know, a solution. I don't think that's why they're releasing Deathblow 4. Uh, I think that they're releasing this because it is a way to... I don't I don't know if I even want to say like power creep, but it's a way to like expand the game in a way that isn't just increasing BST and it's not just making skills uh, like unique and uninheritable, but it's making skills that already exist in the game a little bit more powerful. And one of the questions that I have going forward is, are we going to only get these skills 
as summonable skills on units? Or is it possible that down the road, we might have some type of a skill shop in the game where you might be able to spend some other resource in the game other than, um, you know, other than just summoning for it in paying for like using orbs, is it possible we might use a different resource in the game to be able to upgrade some skills? At first, this was my first instinct that there must be a skill shop coming, and I still think it's a possibility. But I am a little bit concerned, or you know, my, my outlook is a little bit lower on that possibility now. And I am thinking that this might just be a way to get specifically for only you know the one unit in the game that has a skill at level four, just like people you know, it's very valuable to have a skill available at level three at four stars. I think this is maybe more similar to that, where we might just get some new units in the game with level four skills that, you know, make other level three skills just a little bit less valuable in the game. So anyway, I, I wanted to just touch on a few other skills that I think I expect to see level four versions of at some point in the future. So I think Fury is a, a a good candidate to get a level four skill. So Fury give plus four to all four stats and it would do eight damage to the unit after combat. Uh, I would expect to see Swift Sparrow three, which would give plus six to attack and speed in the player phase only. I think one that is very likely is Quick Repost four. And I expect the threshold from that might be lowered to like maybe 50%. Uh, it, it could follow the other trends of the other skills, and maybe it'll just be 60% to continue the same amount of HP between each level of it. That's definitely possible. But we, we already have several units in the game, like like uh, Refined Roy, that can activate Quick Repost down to 50%. And I think Vengeful Fighter 2, right, that has the 50% HP threshold as well. So it's not like Quick Repost 4 would be completely revolutionary in the game, but it would certainly be tantalizing since their quick repost is one of the most popular skills in the game, especially for enemy phase units. I think this is a, a pretty much a gimme as far as future skills are concerned. A few other skills, close defense, distant defense, I think are possibilities, though I think those are more popular as sacred seals than as A-slot skills. And I would not be surprised at all to see you know, a lot of different C-slot skills at level four, like different hone, fortify, spur, and drive skills increased by one level from where they are. Um, and I think those skills in particular wouldn't completely change the game as much as like a Fury 4 and Swift Sparrow 3 are a lot more tempting in my opinion. So anyway, I just wanted to go off on a tangent on that for a little bit and let you guys know what I think about that. And very interesting to see what Intelligent Systems is doing here. And just as far as Death Blow 4 is concerned, it is a very strong skill. It, you know, there, we already know who it's going to be best on. It's best on units with brave type weapons, including Celica, who can attack twice before the enemy attacks with her B slot skill. Uh, it's good on, you know, any other brave weapons, non PRF brave weapons as well. Uh, it's also very good on units that have effectiveness over other units in the game. So, you know, units maybe like Julia or other like Dragon Slayers or Armor Effective Weapons. Those are all good units to give Deathblow 3-2 and it continues on with Deathblow 4 as well. And I would actually say that Deathblow 4 might be the most tantalizing inheritable skill out of all of the inheritable skills on this banner. So... 
you know, I think it is one that a lot of whales are going to be pulling for some extra copies for to give to their units, especially if they have distant counter on them. Anyway, continuing on with Celica, her B-slot scale that I've already mentioned a couple times is double lion, and it is uninheritable. It allows her to double attack, to attack twice when she initiates combat with 100% HP. So it's essentially the brave weapon effect, just like Alms Refinement. And if she's able to double her enemy naturally based on her speed, then she's going to be able to quad attack her enemy. So that is pretty cool. But a lot of people have already asked that you can't stack this effect with brave weapons. You're not going to be able to attack eight times with a brave weapon and with double lion. So uh, don't inherit that over to her. The weapon says that these things don't stack. And unfortunately, just like Alm's refined falchion, uh, Celica is going to lose one HP after combat if she's in the double lion 100% HP threshold. So she's not going to be able to use this effect consecutively unless she gets healed somehow. She also comes with Attack Tactic as her C-slot skill and Gale Force as her special skill. Attack Tactic is a pretty good skill, but it's available now at four stars, so this is nothing fantastic as far as C-slot skills go. And Gale Force, I think, is a pretty nice skill for Celica because she is going to be attacking a lot. Uh, she's a fast unit, and Double Lion will help her attack a lot too. And her weapon allows her to reduce her, her cooldown even faster. So she's going to be able to activate Gale Force really easily. So Celica is a great unit to use Gale Force for, but there are maybe some other specials you would want to consider as well. And it depends on what weapon you're going with for her. And if you want Gale Force or if you want a damage special. So I'll mention those in just a moment when I talk about builds. So let me start off with Phil's free-to-play build, and he is keeping the base kit for Celica and giving her the Flashing Blade Seal. So he did these calculations with the Flashing Blade Seal, and I, I haven't checked over this, so I'm not 100% sure, but I think that this would be redundant to use the Flashing Blade Seal or a Heavy Blade Seal because of her weapon. So I just wanted to point that out. Sorry not to call you out, Phil, um, but just just to uh, to mention that since that's how you did your calculations. And uh, I think the plus attack seal might be strong. Well, it's going to give her an effect and it might be the stronger seal to go with for her. This kit with a Flashing Blade Seal, which I don't think is helping her out uh, unless her weapons effect is not active and she's not near any allies, then he found that with this build in the player phase, she won 78% of her matchups and that she just missed out on getting some of the KOs against some dragons, uh, Zelgius, Arden, and a lot of the blue armor units in the game. So that is how she did with a free-to-play build and... Uh, the good news about seals is like flashing blade or heavy blade. You can test that on Celica. I haven't done it, but you can test that on her and check to see if it works without, you know, check that out and see if it, if they combine. I don't think it will unless she's out of range of allies. All right. So let me go into, and these are what I think are probably the optimal builds for Celica. There's two options for her. The first is using her PRF weapon, Royal Sword. And by the way, what a weak name for weapons as far as weapons go. We have so many like interesting or impossible to pronounce weapon names. And Royal Sword is the best they could do for Celica's weapon. I'm sure it's a throwback to uh, maybe the Gaiden game. 
but uh anyway i thought it's almost like i have to even remember that it's a prf weapon but uh anyway so keeping royal sword on her the best special to give her is draconic aura help her out with her incredibly high damage and then you're going to want to keep death blow four there's no question about that keep double iron there's no question about that the optimal c slot skill which i think is probably worth giving to her if if you know there's some other good units with odd attack wave but that's the skill i'm going to say is optimal to give to her and she's definitely not a bad user of that so if you only have like one or two ishtars ishtars in the future she's definitely a good unit to consider giving odd attack wave and then for her sacred seal i'm for this first build i'm giving her quicken pulse and so with royal sword in the mass duel simulator and this is amazing without any merges but with a plus attack and minus resistance iv she goes 194 and 3 on odd turns when odd attack wave is active that is absolutely insane i am just blown away by how amazing she is in the mass duel simulator there's actually uh she loses to one very specific effie build there's five different effie builds in this mass duel simulator and she beats four of them with this build and she loses to one of them so i will take a unit that can you know beat a, a unit against their color advantage four to five times that sounds pretty good to me she also loses out to noe and corin those are the the other two units that she doesn't beat with this this build and I thought it was just kind of interesting that Noe and Corin would be two units that if you had Alm, that Alm would almost definitely be able to beat even against the color disadvantage there because he has a Falchion. So anyway, that really blew me away how amazing she did in the player phase in the Mass Duel Simulator. And so let's go into the second build now. The second build that I think is optimal in, uh, I think this build is on Game Press as well is with a fire sweep plus so give celica fire sweep plus and change her special over to moonbow give her death blow four. keep death blow four there's no question you're keeping that in double lion you're staying with odd attack wave as her c slot skill and for her uh, for her seal attack plus three is just a little inferior to quick and pulse but they're both really strong and with this build with a fire sweep weapon she wins 190 matchups in one round of combat that I don't think I've ever seen a fire sweep weapon do that well in one round of combat. So I think it is fair to say she is the strongest fire sweep user in the game. And that is because with a fire sweep weapon, if her double lion skill is active, then she is able to quad enemies with a fire sweep weapon they don't get to retaliate at all that is absolutely amazing that she gets to do that and with a skill like moonbow she's going to be activating moonbow potentially two times in the same round of combat so that is absolutely amazing um yeah i don't even know what to say 190 ko's in one round of combat is something i don't think i've ever seen with a fire sweep weapon before of course she doesn't have the mobility of a flyer she doesn't have the mobility of a cavalry unit so it's uh she it's debatable whether she's the best fire sweep user in the game because flyers are definitely better uh, than infantry units overall but i think you know 190 you know I, you just can't argue with that and so that, that actually leaves seven units in the game seven builds in the game 
that she does in round of combat. And keep in mind, this is unmerged. I am not comparing like a plus 10 Celica to unmerged units here. These are unmerged units against unmerged units. So there are seven units that she doesn't beat in one round of combat. Five out of those seven units are Effie. So basically, if you're not going up against Effie, you're probably going to win with Celica. Now, one thing to keep in mind, simulating all of these weapons, all of these builds, we're looking at Celica with double line important because after her first round of combat, she's going to lose one HP and she's not going to be able to replicate the double lion and continue doubling the guaranteed doubling after the first round of combat. So she's going to need some way to heal up in order to get that effect again. And she's not going to be as strong in the second, third, and fourth combats unless you're able to get her some type of healing. Unfortunately, Renewal, the only skill that would allow her to do that on her own, is a skill that would be competing with Double Lion for a B-slot skill. So you're definitely not going to give her Renewal as a B-slot skill. You're keeping Double Lion there. So the big question is, when will we get the Renewal 3 Sacred Seal? Because once we get that, I, I know exactly who I'm going to be giving it to. Selig is going to be amazing with a Renewal Sacred Seal. So getting into our ratings, I am giving Selica a 5 out of 5. She is an incredibly powerful unit. And if Double Lion is active, then she beats just about any unit in the game with the same amount of merges as she has. So those are just insane win percentages. Uh, you know, Alm can do something very similar when he's refined, uh, but I don't think he does quite as well uh, as Celica does because her faster speed allows her to quad a lot of units and Alm might not be able to do that. So again, the hardest thing, the biggest downside to Celica is keeping this double. We need renewal IS, please release that. That would be fantastic. And you know, that's something that Alm has over her is that he is able to heal himself with his falchion. And so that, you know, in a way that makes Alm better in that respect. And he also has a falchion, which is effective against dragon units in the game. So I, there are some things that Alm has, has advantages over Celica. But I think, you know, Celica has better stats uh, and does favorably in, in her Mastool simulator and in my experience as well. And for Phil's rating, he also gives Celica a 5 out of 5 and commented on her great player phase. Uh, he, he also agrees with her amazing potential with a Fire Sweep Sword, uh, but also agrees that a you know her base kit and weapon and all of that is really good too. And that she could also be a really good unit on a mixed team as well. I, I, I do think it's a little bit unfortunate that a lot of people might end up giving this CYL Celica, a fire sweep weapon. Uh, it is a little unfortunate that the weapon that they ended up giving us maybe isn't good enough to be optimal for a CYL hero. Uh, so that's a little bit unfortunate, but I guess it's not the first time that that's happened. Like with Brave Lynn, I think most people uh, who wanted to invest in her probably gave her a Brave Bow or a Fire Sweep Bow. So I, I guess it's certainly not the first time that people have maybe thought of uh, other weapons as optimal for CYL heroes. All right, let's get into our fourth and final Choose Your Legends hero, and that would be Hector, the Brave Warrior. So Hector is the sixth Lance armor unit in the game. And as I'm saying that, I'm realizing that before when I was talking about Ephraim, I was confusing him for a Lance unit when I was 
comparing him to other Lance armor units in the game. So apologies about that. Um, you know, he, he's obviously an axe unit and Hector is a Lance certainly has, uh, you know, thrown some of what I've said off a little bit. So I apologize for that. But, uh, so just taking one second to go back to Ephraim, uh, as an axe unit, thinking about him compared to some of the other axe users out there, there are a lot of axe armor units in the game, which does make it tough for, uh, you know, an axe armor unit to really stand out. But I think Ephraim is certainly in the mix, uh, you know, as far as the axe armor units in the game go. So, uh, you know, legendary Hector or any version of Hector really and male Grima are all fantastic green armor units in the game right now. And, you know, it's hard to say exactly where Ephraim is going to fall in terms of all of the green armor units in the game. Uh, I think that I would probably put male Grima still as a better axe armor, or not axe, but green armor unit because because he does target resistance. Uh, Legendary Hector and Ephraim are a little bit harder to determine. Uh, I, I think at the moment I would probably lean towards Legendary Hector, but we'll have to see how things end up going in time. And I think they're both really strong units. So anyway, just wanted to clarify that. I, just realizing that there. So apologies for that mistake. But so getting into Hector, the brave warrior, he is our Lance armor unit in the game. And so his stats are 48 HP, 37 attack, 22 speed, 39 defense, and 28 resistance. And that just like brave Ephraim leaves him with 174 BST with the potential to get up to a higher bin for arena scoring if he has a super boon in defense that increases his BST bin there, uh, as long as he doesn't have a super bane in resistance, though. So his optimal IVs, if you're concerned about arena scoring, I would say are plus defense minus speed to get up to the higher bin. If you don't care about scoring uh, or if that you know one extra bin doesn't matter to you, then plus attack minus speed is probably optimal in terms of his strongest possibility, uh, possible IVs. So let's get into his weapon and skills. So he comes with Maltet, which is a 16 might lance, and that accelerates his special cooldown by one. So it's equivalent to like a slaying weapon. And as long as his HP is greater than or equal to 50%, then it's going to allow him to make a guaranteed follow-up attack. So it's actually like quick repost, but with a much more generous HP threshold. So he also comes with Ostian Counter as basically distant counter, plus it gives him plus four to attack and plus four defense. So it's like sturdy stance built in with distant counter. Uh, so it's only in the enemy phase, which works nicely with distant counter there. And this is an uninheritable skill, not surprisingly. It actually looks very, very similar to Ostia's Pulse, uh, just as like glancing over it as a skill. I know it's, you know, like an Ostian like theme there going on, but uh, it isn't, there's like a little tiny like purple thing. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but it, it's like what his armor is. Um, so anyway, just uh, it's a, a really strong skill. It's distant counter power crept a little bit, which is something that we haven't seen before. And one of the most interesting things and curious things about this new skill is it's worth 350 SP for an A slot skill. And although that doesn't impact anything at the moment in the game in terms of scoring, 
it may in the future if we get 300 SP inheritable B slot or C slot skills or even sacred seals that are worth 300 SP. So Hector will be the highest scoring unit in the game if they release a, an inheritable B, C, or sacred seal slot skill. Uh, so that'll be interesting to keep our eyes on. And I do expect to see that at some point with skills like Quick Repost 4 or something like that that's probably coming down the road. So his other skills are Even Resistance Wave. So Even Resistance Wave is inheritable and it's a new skill in the game. Uh, we have seen Odd Res Wave already in the game. On, and, you know, in general, I think Even and Odd Res Wave are not fantastic skills. Uh, it's it's a little bit odd to have defensive skills alternating every turn uh, for when you might want to be tanking a hit. It's also, it's not going to help you with poise or anything like that uh, because buffs take place after poise take place in the sequence of events at the beginning of your turn. So it can help you avoid poise from foes, but it won't help you set poise if you wanted to give one as a C-slot skill for Braider, for example, or another unit. But a, a nicer skill that Hector comes with, a, a skill that I think is a lot better, of course, is one that we've already had in the game for a little while now, and that's Bold Fighter, which will allow Hector or any armor unit attack twice in the player phase and also give them that uh, special cooldown charge that's even faster. And then his special that he comes with is Ignis, which is really nice considering his really high defense and his ability to double and take advantage of higher cooldown specials. So looking at Phil's build, a free-to-play would be to take Hector's base kit, which is, by the way, it's a very strong base kit. Uh, there's, you know, there's not many ways to make it that much better than it already is. So his base kit is fantastic, and Phil gave him the Distant Defense 3 Sacred Seal. And what he found in the Mass Duel Simulator was in the enemy phase, Hector achieved 67% KOs, in the player phase, he got 76% KOs. So he found, you know, it's about 50-50 against green units going against his color advantage. So that's interesting there. Uh, but he does lose out to other versions of himself. So could intelligent systems create a Hector that only Hector could beat? Well, I guess it kind of works out opposite, right? It's like, can they create a Hector that that is only beaten by Hectors? That seems to be how this works out. So this version of Hector does very well against red and blue units. Um, so that's kind of interesting there that, you know, he does his job very well and he's even able to take out some green units with that build. So looking at what I would call like the, again, like what I said for Ephraim before, an arena scoring optimal build, you're going to want to give him Aether most likely. Gale Force can work too, but I think Aether is probably a better skill uh, in terms of the highest cooldown specials for Hector, because he does have um, he does have that HP threshold built into Maltet, his weapon, uh, for him to be able to double in the enemy phase. So he is going to want to sustain his HP at a pretty high level. So Ostia counter, Ostia counter, you're not going to want to take that away from him. Bold fighter, definitely keep that. And I think the only thing you really want to change aside from the special is his C-slot skill. I, I don't think even Res wave, wave is a very good skill in general, and I definitely don't think it's good for an armor unit um, who has access to emblem buffs if you wanted to buff units in the game, or, or you could use tactic skills as another way to buff skills with uh, optimal SP scoring C-slot skills. 
So as a C-slot skill, you know, Armor March is definitely a consideration. He doesn't come with that, but he can use it. Uh, maybe a Drive skill. It's hard to say exactly what might be best as his C-slot skill. It is pretty flexible, but in general, I'm not really fond of uh, using a Wave skill on an Armor unit. So in terms of his Sacred Seal, I think Attack plus 3 is a good one, which is going to allow him you know, a little bit more attack when he's doubling in both phases. But if you're thinking about the arena, then close or distant defense, I think, are good choices. Uh, Panic Poi might be a really good choice, too, because his HP is so high. So taking a look at his matchups with this Arena Optimal build, he achieves 70% KOs in the enemy phase and 72% in the player phase. So I have to say I'm a little bit disappointed in these numbers. I know 70% isn't bad at all, and on a different banner, filling like one of the best units in the game. I think just looking at how the rest of these units on this banner do, it is a little bit disappointing that, you know, Choose Your Legends Hector, the first place in the male category in the male bracket, doesn't do a little bit better, especially since I think his legendary version usually does better than these numbers. So in the Mass Duel Simulator, I found with this build that he loses out to Effie, Noe, Winter Robin, Harden, and I was a little disappointed to see him losing to similar blue units that you would hope that really strong units would be able to beat units of their same color. So this is tough for me to do, and I'm not, I don't know, I, it's, it's tough to rate this version of Hector, but I'm going to have to give him a 4.75 out of 5. Maybe it's not fair. Maybe if he were on a different banner that I'd be saying he's a clear 5 out of 5-star unit. But I think just comparing him in the context of the other units on this banner, I think his his abilities in the simulator probably correspond to how he might do in the game as well. And this is maybe just not quite as good as he could be doing. So it, it's tough to do. His defense is incredibly high as a stat. His attack is pretty darn good too. Uh, and next, I'm a little surprised that he doesn't do a little bit better because usually blue units do very well because there's so many red units in the mass dual simulator. So thinking about, you know, why why might he do a little bit worse than some other units, especially maybe like Ephraim, when both of these units double, one thing that comes to mind is that a lot of the tankiest units in the game tend to be green units. We have a lot of green armor units. We have a lot of green dragons and... You know, that is probably why he ultimately ends up not doing as well as he could. And if you're in the higher tiers, if you're in tier 20, if you're in tier 21, uh, then you're probably facing green armor units all the time in the arena. So again, it's not to say he's a bad unit at all. It's it's maybe not even fair to ding him at all in terms of his rating. So if you disagree and think he's a five out of five, or, you know, if you disagree with me, I think that's perfectly reasonable. But I think he is not going to be able to take out a lot of units against the color triangle. So that's that's kind of where my rating comes down on. And I'm you know happy to hear other people's opinions if you disagree and if you think he's better than I'm giving him credit for. So Phil has given him a 5 out of 5 for the rating and said that he has a really good base kit. And I totally agree with him that his base kit out of all the Choose Your Legends heroes is probably the most complete in the one that there's really not that much more you can improve upon. So in terms of his matchups, I really do think it's just that he can't beat some of the tankiest green units in the game, and other colors might be able to beat some of the tankiest units 
against their color advantage, against their color disadvantage. And Phil agreed that he was a little disappointed with the simulator results as well and had some of the same thoughts about some of the strongest green threats are just a little bit tankier and harder to deal with for a blue unit in the game. So, uh, so Phil had also mentioned that he thinks that when comparing the two armor units on Choose Your Legends, that Ephraim seems to be a little bit better at being able to deal with some of the common threats in the metagame right now. And that definitely factors into my rating as well as factors into the Mass Duel Simulator in general. So there is definitely that. But if, if Hector's your favorite character, then by all means, please you know, pull for him or choose him as your free unit. You have not made a mistake if you have chosen Hector as your free unit. All four of the units on this banner are fantastic. And you really can't go wrong with any of them. You really can't go wrong with all of them either. So I'm going to go into my summoning priority and my ratings of these units uh, in comparison to each other. And then Phil, I'll, I'll turn things over to Phil and he will be able to fill in some of the gaps if there's anything that I missed in this episode or if there's, uh, you know, he can go through his summoning priority as well. So this is so, so hard to give you the priority to summon for these four heroes. This is as hard as it's ever been. I, I think it's definitely the hardest that it's ever been for me to decide which of these heroes to go for the most myself as well as which to recommend other people to go for as well. And there's a lot of things to consider here. The first is arena scoring. If arena scoring is really important to you, if one of your goals in the game is to make it into higher tiers in the arena and stay in higher tiers in the arena, then I think there's really no question that Ephraim and Hector are the two units that you should be pulling for. As for which one of the two that you should prioritize more over the other, it's tough to say because we have so many green armor units in the game. So I think just, you know, just taking a guess, I would say that you probably are more likely to have a green armor unit that's really strong than a blue armor unit. But if that's not the case, then I would say Ephraim is the better unit on a head-to-head -head matchup with Hector. Uh, if you had to choose just one of them, I think Ephraim is the better unit. But I think, you know, there's fewer blue Lance armor units in the game. So if you, you're, I think you're just less likely to have a really strong blue one. And Harden is the only other blue armor unit that can achieve the maximum scoring in the arena, whereas many other green units can. So if you're looking more for a blue armor unit, then obviously Hector is your guy here. There's no other choice on this banner, at least. And, you know, he might be better than all of the other Lance options out there. So, uh, you know, I think he probably is better than Harden. I think he is better than Winter Robin. I think Effie might be like a really strong unit in terms of her stats. But ultimately, I think Hector has really good skills in his weapon that make him better than Effie as well. So obviously arena scoring, those are the two units to think about the most, and that's what you should do. If skills are something that's important to you, you know, maybe, maybe not the first time you summon one of these heroes, maybe if you get a duplicate copy or if you have gotten all these heroes or all of them that you care about getting, then in terms of fodderable skills, I think Deathblow 4 is the most attractive new skill on this banner by quite a bit. Uh, both for arena scoring purposes, 
but also because there's a lot of units that optimally use Death Blow 3 in the game before Death Blow 4 came out. So it's really not a bad choice for intelligent systems to call uh, Death Blow as the first skill that they give this level 4 version of that's inheritable in the game. So I think if you're looking for fodderable units, I think pulling Celicas for that is the way to go there. And we, you know, the other thing is that if, if you're a free-to-play player or, uh, you know, it, it might be more worthwhile to not pull for Celicas for skills like Death Blow 4 because we just don't know if these types of skills are going to be creatable in a, like some skill refinery in the future or if something else might change in the game to make Death Blow 4 more accessible after its initial release. So just be a little bit careful uh, fodder unit in this game. And it, it is unfortunate that Choose Your Legends units might be good as fodder, but that is just where we are here. And also have to give honorable mentions to Bold Fighter and Wrathful Staff as skills. These are both really strong skills in the game, really useful on a lot of units in the game. Uh, we've already had them in the game before this, though, so... Uh, I'm not saying that they're not good skills to potentially pull for some extra copies of these heroes, but, uh, you know, we've already had them, so it's not like this is the first time we've ever seen them. So, man, this is so tough to advise you guys which hero to focus on summoning most for. Maybe you've already done all your summoning. Uh, if you haven't, then it, it's really tough to decide. And if you haven't chosen your free hero yet and you're relying on this episode to decide, it you know, as, as we said at the top of the show, this podcast might not answer that question for you. But if if you are still in that boat of deciding, I think the unit that, I you know, trying to put all of these factors together, I think I would say Ephraim is the number one hero to summon for. Celica is number two. Veronica is number three. And Hector is number four. But I really, really feel bad even trying to rank these four is, you know, people could make really strong arguments for any one of these heroes being the best hero on this banner and being all four of these heroes are you know maybe likely to be placed in tier one in game press and maybe s plus or at least s i'd say for all of these units on gamepedia so it is really hard to rank these units it is not a task that i took lightly and I think it's just so hard to give just one set of guidelines for these four units because they fill a lot of different niches in the game. And what I've seen so far in different polls and on Reddit and with YouTubers and their polls and their surveys, it seems like most people are pulling Veronica. At least the people who are responding are saying they're pulling Veronica as their free hero. And I don't think that's a bad way to go at all because she comes ready to go with a razzle dazzle staff and you know, if you've used that before, you know how powerful that can be. And if you haven't used it before, then it's probably pretty fun to be able to experience that for as, as a, you know, maybe you don't have the orbs to be able to summon for all the skills that you would need and all the refining stones to be able to prioritize that. So I think that is a great way to go if you want Veronica as your free summon. Uh, Ephraim and Hector both have incredibly powerful sets that allow them to double in both phases and Celica, as you can see with her matchups in the Mass Duel Simulator, she seems to be the strongest unit just in one phase in the Mass Duel Simulator, considering all of her skills. And so that is pretty cool, too, to think about how strong you can make one unit like that. 
and she has really good fodder as well. So, man, this is a tough decision, and I am definitely interested in seeing what you have to say, Phil, if you have anything to add to this. I'm sure you might have some different opinions than I do there, and that is certainly fine. Uh, And of course, if there's anything else that you would like to say that you didn't get a chance to uh, while you were gone for the rest of this episode, please feel free to do so. But for now, I'm going to be signing out and turning things over to you, Phil, and I will catch our listeners in the next episode. All right. Thanks, Greps, uh, for that evaluation on everyone. And just want to come in here at the end. Uh, This is a new day, and so I've had some time to think about what I wanted to say as far as my rating priority, as far as what to do with your free summon. So, like Greps had mentioned, it's pretty hard to prioritize which unit you might feel like is the best uh, out of this group because everyone seems to be very good, and I'm, I totally agree with that. I think that regardless of who you try to go for, who you like, or who you might use your free summon with, either way, it's going to be a really good choice. Uh, so I think... For me, it's going to be uh, basically Hector, Ephraim, and Celica as top priority being a little bit above Veronica. And I only say that because Veronica's uh, weakness as far as her uh, type of class as well as being on a horse just kind of makes her a little bit um, harder to, I guess, utilize in the arena. But she's still a really fun character to play with. And so I, I think if you're going to go with their strengths as far as who to prioritize for summoning. If you are looking for someone to uh, be a really good support unit, someone that is that already comes with the razzle-dazzle staff effect, then go with Veronica if, if you're missing that in your barracks. If you're going for arena scoring, then I would go for Hector, uh, not only because of his really high BST, but because of his SP skills as well, I feel like a lot of people are going to go for Hector just for that. And if you are playing at the upper echelons of the tier system, especially to get into tier 21, it might uh, you might prioritize Hector a little bit over Ephraim, who also is um, very good as far as BST and, and arena scoring is concerned. I feel like, though, like you can almost interchange Ephraim with the other versions of Hector, especially Legendary Hector. And so uh, I, I would say that um, if you were to... I mean, with the simulator results and everything, I know Ephraim did better than Hector. Uh, it was kind of weird and disappointing to kind of see that. And as far as, I, as, far as prioritizing Ephraim over Hector, I would if you were looking for a nice armor unit to kind of um, be a counter for the more popular threats in the game, including Hector himself. Not only the Lance version, the Brave version that we just received, but also the uh, other Hectors that we've seen in the game right now. And so I, I feel like Ephraim would be your choice to either pull for your free summon or or just go for uh, if that was the case, if you needed a, a solid green axe unit, armor unit uh, for that. So, and finally, Celica, uh, just amazing in the player phase. Uh, I know Greps went over her matchups and everything, and she does. she's absolutely amazing, especially if you put something like a Fire Sweep Sword on her. Uh, she can quad and be able to destroy pretty much anything um, if you do build her correctly, uh, even with Armor Smasher. 
And so I, I feel like Celica is the strongest uh, choice if you are looking for something that someone that can blaze through all three colors, even the colorless as well. Someone who you can rely on to get that brave type of attack uh, in without retaliating, uh, receiving retaliation in damage. Uh, she re- reminds me a lot of Alencia when she came out uh, with her Amity. And uh, that was back when like Reinhardt was really popular with the with his dire tome the, and people were using brave weapons all the time. I had an Effie with a brave lance back then. I, I feel like that was the phase, you know, the fad back then. And uh, I feel like we're kind of getting a redo of that with Celica here. And, and of course, we know how good Alm is with his double lion effect and his sword. And so once again, I, I feel like we have Celica here. Uh, representing that uh, the sheer power that comes in the player phase with that build, and so if you're looking for someone that can that can really do work across all colors, I think Celica is the person to go for. And as far as, and so I hope that information really helped as far as how to help you make a decision with your free summon, uh, whether it's to fill a gap. Uh, maybe you've summoned three of the four characters and you're going to use that on the fourth character i think that's totally fine um if you care about merges then you know i would go ahead and use all of your orbs just try to summon all of them and uh, maybe you do get all of them maybe you don't care and you can use that free summon to uh, add an extra merge onto a character that you are looking to merge up i was originally intending to do that i was going to save it for hector but uh, it turns out I, so as you might know, I've saved up about 660 orbs or so for this event for a long time, and I'll just share my story here. I got into the banner, uh, about 150 orbs or so. I got uh, the uh, Veronica first, and then Ephraim, and then Hector. And so I knew that at least I could use my free summon on Celica, but I still had about 500 orbs left. And so I, I just wanted to go and hopefully get her and without having to use that free summon and maybe use the rest of the orbs to snipe for Hector and and add an, an additional merge onto him because I feel like that's what I want to do now with my game is to uh, really save up some orbs and spend them on, you know, five, uh, you know, merging fully a, a, uh, a five star exclusive character because I think that would be really cool. However, um, so I started sniping for Celica, and instead of getting a Celica, I got uh, two Iras, two Sabres, a Leaf, two original Olwins. I started pulling on blue, too. Uh, I got Leo, uh, the Flying Olivia that just came out recently. Um, who else? Sanaki as well. Uh, and I think I'm missing one or two characters. I got a lot of pity breakers on that. 500 orbs later, you know, I, I come down to 100 orbs. I still hadn't summoned Celica, but I had gotten a ton of, oh, and, and uh, Sigurd as well. I, I remember I just got him as well. So, uh, oh, and an extra Hector. <laughs> so I, I I guess it's bittersweet. You know, I got a lot of five stars from the event, uh, but they weren't the Celica that I was going for. And hopefully, using all those orbs instead to merge up a five-star unit. But still, I was able to, you know, receive a lot of uh, free units, or 
a lot of five-star exclusive units, a lot of them that I never had before, so I'm excited to try them out. And so I ended up using my free summon for Celica because she is an amazing unit, and I think uh, it'll just be fun to have her in my collection. But anyway, so I just wanted to share that experience. If that helps you out too, uh, then I hope that that helped. But anyway, so I think I'll end it there. Uh, thank you for listening, and if you would like to reach out to us, you can post at our subreddit at r slash or you can reach out to our emails at phaeology at gmail.com or grepstein, F-E-H, at gmail.com. And if you are a fan of the show and you're tired of ally and summoner support, you can go ahead and try out listener support and uh, support the, the podcast there, and I'll include a link to our Anchor website there. And with, uh, with that, thank you again for listening, and I'll catch you later.